Remain standing. Go ahead and open it up. I'm pretty sure you, if you've been here for the past couple of weeks, you know to open up your Bible to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And as you're turning there, I want to give you the opportunity also, if you're, you know, you're taking notes or anything of that nature, We've been on spiritual warfare, and I believe that more so than ever before are we finding ourselves as Christians in a spiritual warfare that is connecting people even to a physical warfare. And you'll see what I'm talking about in just a little bit, but it's really gathering together all over, I'm not just talking here in America, but all over the world where people are manifesting their spiritual nature, I guess you could say, into a physical nature, and people are getting killed all over the world for this. And, you know, here in America, we could say Jesus loves you, and people just walk by and go, okay. Go in other countries, say Jesus loves you. Those may be the last words you ever say. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 some of you should almost have this memorized by now. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Somebody say, put on. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on, somebody say put on, the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition... To all this, we're going to be talking about that. Take up the shield of faith. Somebody say, take up. Say, take up. Then it says, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, one more time, show yourself strong. Lord, these are your people. Strengthen us. Give us, Lord God, that which we need. And today we're going to be talking about this shield of faith. Lord, strengthen someone's faith here today like never before, stronger than what it was yesterday, last week. Lord, we want to take this up, for you have called us to take it up. We thank you and we praise you, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. And all together we said, before you're seated, tell your neighbor, take it up. Then you may be seated. If you get the opportunity, go ahead and get the CDs. Put them in your CD players you drive or they're at your job. And you could share with them and talk about it even with your uh, coworkers. I, I think somebody here in the church came up to me last week, or actually just the other day, and said that... Uh, um, I guess they heard one of the messages that we have been preaching here, uh, that I've been preaching behind the pulpit, and she shared it at her work by putting it on the intercom and made everybody at her job listen to the message. I said, wow, my gosh, in the name of Jesus. And I believe it was actually a high school, so all the faculty was able to hear the message. So I want to challenge you. Get the message. Faith comes by Hearing, reading is good, hearing, faith is strengthened. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago in these past couple weeks and coming together and we talked about putting it on. Somebody say put it on. Now when we hear that phrase put it on, it doesn't just mean put it on like uh, maybe sports athletes have and you see them with the helmets and they have the shoulder pads and they have the cleats and they put it on and when the game is over, they take it off. Because I'm done with the game. 
when this phrase, put, it, put on this armor, put on this piece, put it on, it means put it on and keep it on. Put it on and keep it on. Tell your neighbor, keep it on. See, our spiritual warfare that we fight, we fight it every day. Did you know that you even fight a spiritual warfare in your sleep? Did you know that? The dreams that you have, you fight. You ever been in a dream before? I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it's happened to me. I've been in a dream, and I've been so, so much deep in a dream that I thought it was real. Then I literally woke up going, did that just happen? Even one time it happened to me so real that I actually had to ask my wife, did this happen? And she looked at me like a weirdo. And when I got that weird look, I go, okay, it was a dream. You know, like, man, it was a dream. But it was a heavy dream. It was a heavy dream. People were saying things, and I was like, this is weird, man. So even, even in your sleep sometimes, you're in a spiritual battle. You can even read about it on your own, you know, study the scriptures. Dreams are biblical. Did you know that? Dreams are biblical. And so some of you, you probably come here to church and you go, man, I get these dreams, but if I share them, people are going to think I'm weird. You need to know something. In this church, and if you feel that you're weird, you're in the right spot. You're in the right spot because pretty much the person you're sitting next to you is probably a little bit more weird than you are. So that should give you some comfort right there. Oh, oh, I feel good. Just by knowing, just by looking at the person next to me, pastor said you're weirder than me. Yes. Yes, I feel good. But that's okay. That's okay. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. You put on this armor and you leave it on for the rest of your life. Just as a soldier goes in a battle and does not take it off in the middle of the battle. You're not going to lay down your armor until you go on to be with the Lord. You keep this on at all times. And when it comes to keeping it on, you must always check your armor as well. Checking it, making sure that the pieces are still together. A lot of times you're going to get hit when you're in the midst of the battle. And a lot of times you always have to check your armor. It's a little loose. Ooh, i got to tighten it here. Oh, the breastplate, it's a, oh, i got to tighten it. Oh, the belts, oh, man, whoa, 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 it's coming a little loose here. The people are lying to me. What is going on? I need to tighten it up. Sometimes every once in a while you got to tighten that belt. Tighten the belt of truth. The helmet, it gets dinged every now and then. The enemy tries to come and knock your salvation off, and he tries to lie to you. You're not really saved. He tries to get you, oh, that's not really happening. The, the enemy tries to come into your household and create confusion into your house. Say, look, there's no peace here. That's not going to be happening. It's just, it's chaos. That's, that's the life that you're going to continually live is a life of chaos. But you always have to check your armor. Can I hear an amen? And as we look here, we're going to be talking about faith. Someone say faith. There's a great story in the Bible that I love that I've learned since I was a kid. And you read about it in the book of Daniel. I believe it's even there in Daniel chapter 3. And as you read about this story, it's what we call the fiery furnace. And in this fiery furnace, what was happening, I'm going to kind of give you the, the cliff note version, if you will, of this story. There was a king, and basically he wanted everybody to worship him. And he made this huge statue of himself. And as he made this huge statue of himself, everybody in the kingdom must bow down. Now, this is what he did, and he said, everyone's going to worship me. Then he found out that there was three men, young men, that said, I'm not going to be bowing down to this idol. So they came to the king and they said there's three people that they don't want to worship you. So under the law, the law stated that if anybody does not bow their knee, they must be put to death. And put to death by way of the fiery furnace. So this king, and his name was King Nebuchadnezzar, he heard about this rebellion that these three young men were doing. So he got them together and he says, okay, you're going to be going into the fiery furnace Unless, I'm going to give you one more opportunity to worship me. Now, you read the story of their response in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. And I want to read it to you. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you 
in this matter. Look at that right there. Just Isn't that bold? That's bold right there. I don't answer to you, the most powerful man in the land, right to his face. I don't answer to you. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Oh, I, I like this, this next response, right? Because, you know, that, that's, that's like, you know, that's faith right there. That's boldness. I'm not going to worship you. But then their response, look, look at this. But if not, that's a little scary right there. Because you're saying, my God's going to deliver me. But just in case he doesn't. That's a little scary right there. Because, you know, faith is like, yeah, all right. But even if not, like, whoa, there's a sense of reality right there. But even if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. They looked at the most powerful man in the land and told him, we won't worship you because our God is going to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, I still ain't going to worship you. That's a heavy statement right there. My God, you know, that's like coming to church and saying, God is awesome. God is great. Oh, he is awesome. And then you leave the church and somebody proves to you that God's not awesome. And you go, wow, okay, well, even if God's not awesome, I'm still going to worship him anyways. See, because in church it's good, right? In church they're like, great, oh, it's awesome. But when you get in front of a fiery furnace, reality comes to you. Reality comes, you come face to face with your faith. You come, and these men came face to face with their faith. And their faith was strong enough to accept even giving their lives. Faith brought them, or excuse me, King Nebuchadnezzar brought them face to face with their faith. But they did not waver in their faith. Listen, here this morning, some of you, you're at a fiery furnace situation. And you're coming face to face with your faith. But my friend, just like these three men, they said, God's going to deliver me. But even if he doesn't, I still ain't going to worship you. Look at Every once in a while, you got to just tell that king face to face, look, say, all right, I, I know you got a little bit of power. That's fine. But still, you ain't got more power than my God. He's going to deliver me from this situation. Listen, my friend, I'm here to declare to you, whatever situation you're going through, if you come face to face with the fire, you, you need to know that God will deliver you. But even if not... Okay, I'm still not going to worship you. I'm still not going to bow down to you. I'm st- this knee is staying locked until God says to bend it. That's a face-to-face encounter with the fire, and the faith was unwavering. Can I hear an amen? Here we're talking about the shield. Somebody say shield. Now I'm going to have my great soldier come on up here once again. He's been with us for the past couple of weeks. And we're going to be talking about the shield, the shield of faith. Now, up until now, Paul's description of the armor of God has been limited to the items that we have to wear. We've been talking about the belt. you got to put it on. We've been talking about the breastplate. You need to put it on. We've been talking about the feet. You have to put it on. And if you were here last week when we talked about the feet shod with the gospel of peace, every once in a while when it comes to the gospel of peace, even when everyone else is going out there and playing around, sometimes you need to take a stop. Take a, okay, don't be in a hurry. And I need to put this on. And I'm going to put it on because once I get in a battle, I'm not stopping. I'm going. And so we talked about it last week. And so these are all the things that you have to put on and you got to keep them on. But this particular piece of armor... And it changes right here because as you read the scripture there, it says, put on the breastplate. Put on the shoes. Put on the belt. These are fixed items. But now we're going to get into these next three items that are added items. And it says, take up above all, above all, 
this protection, this is protection that you're going to have. And this pr protects the, the vital organs, protects the heart, protects the lungs, protects everything right here. This is very vital to your battle. The feet, if you're slipping all around, then it's going to be going, you're going to be going this way. You're going to be going that way. You need to have your feet. It has to be right there. The belt, you're not going to have a sword ready for you if you don't have your belt on. It's not going to keep everything together. It's right there. It keeps the breastplate. It keeps your belt, uh, excuse me, it keeps your sword, everything in planks. But here, now we're talking about taking it up. First you had to put it on. Now you need to take it up. Tell your neighbor, take it up. This take up is a protection, but even more so of a double protection. See, a shield is different. Paul tells us that the shield, we're going to have to take it up, and it's required for us to raise it. Just strapping it to our arm won't do us any good at all if we do not make any effort to hold on to it and to use it. Now, in the Roman army, and there's different types of shields. And even this shield, even in particular, as you look at it, it might be a little familiar to you. Because actually, this is not the shield that Paul was talking about. This is actually a shield. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Gladiator? Right? This is actually a gladiator-like shield. It's very small. It was uh, kind of uh, made around here, as we could see. Let me get this here. It's a small shield, and it was made for a lot of move, movability, durability, just kind of moving around, moving quickly with the hands. So that's what this was made for. This is more of a gladiator, lightweight, and free for movement in the design for the soldier. So that's what this type of a shield is. But the actual Roman shield it's called the scutum, and it was not really the standard medieval-esque type of a shield that we even think about. It was actually very large and slightly curved in a rectangular shield featuring still a metal knob in the middle. Just like this one has a metal knob, so did the Roman one. It, called, it was a metal knob in the middle, and the metal knob in the middle was called a boss. Tell your neighbor, the boss. Now, we'll be talking about that in just a little bit. But usually, the Roman shield was two to three feet by four feet. It was very large in design. It was made in this design so that actually the soldier can put his entire body behind it. Also, to be, to be a movable wall in order for soldiers to protect themselves from the fiery arrows shot from the, the enemy. The scutum was a very impressive line of defense. They would also line up, and you've probably seen it before in, in different movies, I believe it's called the, the phalanx, and they would march shoulder to shoulder. Because of the size of it, soldiers were afforded a great deal of protection from the enemies, both from the front, from the top, and then also from the back. Because of the slight curve of it, it was also able to deflect attacks without transferring any full force of the assault to the man holding the shield. And also because of the boss that was in the middle, it was able to deflect even the more vicious blows and function in a limited offensive capacity as a means of knocking an opponent backwards. Now that's the description of the shield. Now here... Paul says, take up the shield of faith. Somebody say faith. Now turn with me to Hebrews 11. And just really quickly, we're going to see what faith is. And it's very simple of what we see, this one verse. But yet, it's so important to who we are as Christians. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, if you have not underlined it, circled it, highlighted it, as a Christian, I believe you should. You should highlight that. I mean, this is a very, very vital part of who we are as Christians. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Here is the biblical definition of faith, and it clears up a lot of even misconceptions. If faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, 
then this, ha- then this has a far-reaching implication. Substance that we see, that we talk about, substance is very tangible. Somebody say tangible. And then evidence in any courtroom is what we call proof. So what we see here, a tangible proof. Faith is, by definition, it's not, listen to me, it's not a hazy emotion. That's not what faith is. Faith is not where you come and just speak it and say, well, okay, we'll see. And you kind of speak it and you think something's going to happen. No, it's actually tangible. It's evidence. You cannot go in front of the judge and say, your honor, I stand here and I'm going to prove that this person is guilty. One of the first things that uh, the judge is going to say is, he's going to say, okay, where is the evidence? I need some evidence to prove to me your case. See, you and I, our evidence, it is called faith. It is the irrefutable truth, my friend. It is real. In Romans chapter 8, verse 24 and 25, Paul says, For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. See, even though it is a solid base evidence, that doesn't mean that faith comes naturally or it even comes easily. Paul here is talking about something that we have. You don't hope for what you already have. Faith involves a huge element of trust. Somebody say trust. See, we must be able to examine the evidence and see that God has proved himself to be unchanging and consistent. And that we must firmly believe that he will fulfill the promises that he has given to us. Now, this shield of faith, why the shield of faith? How does faith and a shield come together? We're going to talk about this, and I want to give you a few points. Point number one is what a shield does is that it guards. Somebody say guards. In Daniel chapter 3, and we read about it earlier, verse 17, it says, If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand. And this is my favorite part. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, we are not going to serve your gods. See, the shield, the physical shield protects us physically and faith can protect our spiritual lives in the middle of any trial. See, even when the enemy, and just like this, Uh, situation. King Nebuchadnezzar, he began to attack their values and their beliefs of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But they stood unwavering in their faith. See, faith will guard you. Listen, right now, even in our society, did you know that your convictions are being attacked? Your beliefs are being attacked. Your values are being attacked. The sanctity of marriage is being attacked. Did you know that marriage is a God-honored, God-law law? Did you know that? This is the law under God. That marriage, the sanctity of marriage. You know what's what's so funny is that, I, you know, I have family members that, you know, they know that I'm married and they don't come against my marriage, not at all. Because, you know, they want me to live a good life. They say, man, you, we want you to be a good person. But nevertheless, little by little. See, the enemy, he's subtle. Did you know that? The enemy is so subtle. Little by little, the sanctity of marriage is going away. Little by little. I heard somebody share this the other day, and it kind of shook me. He said, man, I want to go, excuse me, he said, I want to have more wedding invitations than baby shower invitations. And I was like, wow. This is true. Because what is being attacked is marriage. Just go ahead and have sex. That's fine. It's not a big deal. Who cares? It's very much not a big deal. Did you know that you pretty much can't go to no restaurant without, I don't know about you for women, but I know us for men. And I'm going to be very honest and very clear with you. You can't go to just about any restaurant, at least here in Hayward or in America, and as you walk into the restroom, there is a condom dispenser right there. No matter where you go. 
Now, I don't know how it is for the women, but I know in the men. You can, I just went to a restaurant the other day, opened the door, and boom, there it is. Okay, if you're going to have sex, just be, just be you know, clean about it. Anywhere you go, did you know that I remember as a youth pastor, I used to go pass out flyers at a high school. And you know how, who I would be passing out flyers next to? I'd be passing out flyers next to the people who were passing out condoms in high school. Now, see, some of you may think, well, they're just trying to teach about sex. No, they're actually trying to negate marriage. That's what is actually trying to be happening. Because they're trying to say, look, go ahead and have sex. You know where sex is supposed to be happening in? Marriage. You want to have safe sex? Safe sex? Just actually get married. That's how you do it. And some of it, I know many times, especially within our generation, some of our generation, they just, I want to have sex, I want to have sex. They don't even think about marriage, they just think about sex. We pretty much, our generation, we've skipped over God's value and belief of marriage and attacked it and went against Against our beliefs, little by little by little, just going against it. And they're just small darts. They're not very big. It's just, it's not a big deal. It's, who cares? It's all right. And what, what, what happens? Look at there. You don't want that. And that's horrible. Just go out and just have fun and be free. YOLO. Now, for those of you older generation that you're probably looking at me going, well, what is it? How many had no idea what I just said when I said YOLO? Go ahead and raise your hand. See, look at that. I know some of the young people are like, oh, Ma, come on, Ma, you got to know what's up. Y'all already know, though. Y'all already YOLO. <laughs> Guy's a weirdo, by the way. He shouldn't be singing YOLO. He should be singing, I'm a weirdo. I'm a, I'm a weirdo. YOLO means you only live once. That's what it means. You only live once. There's T-shirts, there's songs, there's philosophies. I mean, believe me, they're taking it even beyond just a phrase. But I want to tell you something. And listen to me, young people, that you understood exactly what I was saying when I said that. I want to make this statement. That is the stupidest philosophy I've ever heard. Who in the world? Now, for those of you think, well, there's nothing bad. It's just you know, you only live once. Okay, you know, who cares? Just have free. Just get drunk. You know, oh, cool. Let's go. The philosophy behind that YOLO that you only live once thing means live free. When in reality, and we've been talking about spiritual warfare, right? We, we battle not against flesh and blood. It's not a physical thing, but against the authorities of this dark world. That's what's happening right now. And so that phrase, it comes out of the dark world, and it tries to manifest itself into our world. And so what it does is that philosophy of you only live one, it's not a big deal, makes you live carefree when in reality, because it's from the dark world and darkness is only known with bondage, what it does is it comes and it brings it in and it puts it into our world and it puts you in bondage. But it makes you think, I'm free, I'm free. You only live one, oh man, oh man. Tell that to the young man who was only 23 years old that I had to do his funeral because he got hit by a train. And hit because he was drunk. That's how he was. I only live once. I only live once. Well, I want you to know something. Actually, according to Scripture, you don't only live once. You're going to live again. You are going to live in eternity. Every single person in this room will live in eternity. You, whether you accept it or not, if you put on the belt of truth, that is the truth. You live in eternity. The question is, where are you going to live? You're going to live in eternity whether you like it or not. Some of us are going to live holy. Some of you will not. That's the truth. But it's your choice. And the enemy tries to little by little by little come against and, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, it's just, it's not, my friend, the values 
are getting little by little hit. And they're coming against. And the enemy is throwing them against it. Just like he threw it against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The same way the enemy is now trying to throw it against us. Trying to waver our faith. But I like the response of these young men. He says, you know what? We will not serve you. But even if God doesn't, I'm still not going to worship you. I'm still not going to bow down to you. These were young men that knew their faith. You know what's going to happen? You know how I truly believe we're going to have revival? Is when young men and young women are going to stand up and say, I'm not going to listen to them. I'm not going to listen to what they're going to tell me. No, I have an unwavering faith. Listen to me, parents. It's very important that you start imparting faith into your children. Even now. Don't think for a second that the enemy doesn't try to shoot little darts at them at their school. Don't think for a second the enemy doesn't try to hit little darts when they're with their friends. He tries to hit them, but that's why it's very important that when they come home, you put up that shield of faith and say, listen, you may try to hit my son, you may try to hit my daughter, but I want you to know, enemy, you will not come into this house. I have the shield of faith. I am protecting my son. I am protecting my daughter. It's not just a hedge of protection just for me, but it protects everybody that's behind this shield. As for me and my house, we ain't serving you. We're not going to serve you. We're going to serve the Lord. Another thing that the shield does is that the shield deflects. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 says, Above all, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. Did you know that the enemy is always trying to hurl fiery darts at you? Even right now, the enemy is trying. He, he tries to throw these little darts. And some of you say, well, what are the darts? He tries to throw just little things of fear at you. Little things of fear. Look at that. The valley of the shadow. I don't know if you've ever been scared by a shadow before, but I have. I've been scared by a shadow before. I've, I've seen it before. Plenty of times, these big old shadows, and you go, whoa, what, what was that? Even the other day, we, we were just simple. I mean, we're just walking. It's a beautiful day out, and all of a sudden, we see this big old shadow. Now, I didn't hear anything. I just saw the shadow. I go, whoa, what is that? We looked up. It was a plane. It was a really big plane. But we were, how, how come we didn't hear anything? Just the shadow alone, I went, it kind of made me jump. Like, what is that? Now, can you imagine, the Bible says, well, actually, King David, he said, the valley of the shadow. In other words, even as you're going through, all the little things, they scare you. Every little thing. See, when you're in the valley of the shadow, even little sounds, little crackles, what was that? What was that? Even, I mean, little flickers of the light, what was that? I mean, all, because it gets fearful. And the enemy tries to just throw little things. And he throws them at you. And you go, what was that? Another fiery dart, and he tries to put worry on you. Always wor worrying about everything. Oh, my gosh. You hearing this? Oh, I'm at the, the economy. I'm not going to have a job. I'm not gonna, oh, my God, I'm not going to live. What am I going to do? What am, oh, my God. And all this worry. All the worry and all the stuff that's happening and coming through. Did you know? That all this stuff, I know many of you, you see this stuff with uh, Obama and Romney and the television. You're like, oh, my gosh, I get overwhelmed. Did you know that even when they didn't have TV, they were still trying to figure out a way to make everybody worry? Did you know in the World War, if you study history, they used to drive these planes, right? They used to fly these planes over it, and they used to drop out thousands of pieces of paper. It's called propaganda. They would throw it all out. They would throw it all out, and it would... Uh, kind of divert the direction of however they wanted people to think. Do they want them to worry? Then they're going to throw out pieces of paper and make them worry. That's what they would do. So even when there was no TV, there was a, the enemy will always try to figure out a way to make you worry. Always try to figure out a way. What am I going to do? How am I going to do? What am I gonna, oh, oh my gosh. And based upon your worry, the decisions, those are the decisions you make. And the enemy, he's a loud talker. You ever had one of those loud talkers that they're just trying to get a decision out of you? Like, okay, hurry up, make a decision. Come on, uh, um, uh, okay. Uh, excuse me, uh, you need to hurry up. Uh, uh, okay, I, I, I want, um, I don't, okay, you need to hurry up. There's a lot of people in line here. Come on, can you hurry up here? And you're like, uh, uh, just give me the blue one. Uh, the blue is not there. I don't know, just give me anything. Just give me. Because we make decisions out of haste. Like, oh, okay, okay, and that's what the enemy tries to do. He just tries to throw it at you. 
Just trying to stuff. You need to worry. You got to hurry up. You got to do this. You need, because you don't have your feet shod with the preparation of peace. Worry, doubt, fear. These are the only time that the enemy can hit us is when we put our shield down. We stop believing that God is in control. See, it's important to know the promises of God for our lives. Can I hear an amen? This is something that you and I need to be able to hold on to, having faith in Christ and faith in his word. If you study the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians have to do with uh, basic doctrine. Uh, the, uh, the basic doctrines. And as you read these chapters, they're very doctrinal. They're coming together. The, 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 the faith of who we are. The next two chapters have to do with Christian living. And then all of a sudden in Ephesians chapter 6, now he talks about warfare. So what is he saying? He's saying, look, the first thing is you got to know your word. You have got to know your word. What do you believe? What are your values? You'll have nothing to protect if you don't have any values. You'll have nothing to protect if you don't have any beliefs. What are your beliefs? Somebody asked me the other day, and you know, they said, well, I've heard Planned Parenthood. What is Planned Parenthood? And I kind of broke it down to them what it is. But at the end of the conversation, I told them this. I said, this is what I believe. I believe in life, therefore I do not believe in death. I love children, therefore I don't believe in killing them. That's just my belief. Now, he had his belief. and Okay, that's cool. That's fine. But that's my belief. So there's no way I can go for abortion. That's just impossible. It goes against my beliefs. It just goes against my beliefs. So for those that say, well, I, I think everybody should have a choice. That's fine. If that's your belief. Or is it just something that you're like an American idol? Hmm, what feel? They look good. That looks good right now. Oh, that was a good note. Oh, they didn't sing that good. I'm not going to vote for it. My friend, values are not based on votes. You got to hear me here this morning. Values are not based on votes. Values are who you are. This is what I believe. Who are you? And when the writer was writing this, he says, look, this is who we are. This is how we live. And this is the battle that we're in. Somebody once said, we cannot keep the enemy from throwing these fiery darts at us, but we can keep them from starting a fire. I like what I believe it was Martin Luther. He said, I cannot keep the sparrows from flying around my head, but I can keep them from making a nest in my hair. Now, whether you've got hair or not, you still got to keep those birds from coming in and trying to make nests and lay eggs in your head, in your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the enemy is always trying to throw these fiery darts, but you and I are able to extinguish these fiery darts. And one thing that you must be able to do is you have to extinguish these fiery darts immediately. Don't let them sit there. Just don't let it go in there and work. Oh, man, I, I'm going to uh, keep worrying about it. I don't, how's this going to happen? I don't know. See, my friend, you and I must be able to put our trust and our faith in God. If our faith is in God, then the worry is under our feet. If our faith is in God, then the doubt is under our feet. If our faith is in the Word and who He is in our lives, then all that stuff, it's under our feet. See, this is something that you and I must be able to have when the enemy tries to throw these darts. Listen, the Bible says that they're not just darts, they're fiery darts. And you know what fiery darts try to do? The fiery darts just don't try to get you. They try to light everyone around you on fire. So that when it hits you, boom, and it tries to get everybody around you. You ever been in a situation and you've walked into it and you thought, you know what? It's not a big deal. It's okay, and all of a sudden you walked into the situation, and you you just you, you ever felt that situation? You went, man, it just got bigger than I thought. How did this, where did this come from? I only told one person. That's all I told. How come all of a sudden? And it feels like a forest fire, right? You ever been in a situation like I just told one person? I just it was just one. And then why? Because the enemy tries to throw fiery darts not just against you but against everybody. That's why it's very important to stand, take a stand on the word of God and say, no, this is what I believe. I shared this the other day and when we were talking about the belt of truth. If you tell the truth, you won't have to remember a thing. 
Tell the truth. That's it. Stand on your belief. Speak the truth on your beliefs. Speak the truth in love. See, many times we try to do it on our own. And the enemy sees this and he throws these darts, these fiery darts, and he sees exactly where he can go after. And he goes after our sinful nature, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And he tries to hit these things. And many times we go into these things and we rush into them. A true test of our faith is when you're able to ask yourself, am I rushing into this situation? Sometimes you need to just put on the brakes. Tell your neighbor, just put on the brakes. Sometimes you got to just put on the brakes. Romans chapter 10 verse 11 says, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 28, it says, therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. Some of your translations say, will not make haste. When you translate that word disturbed, it means you're not going to be in a hurry. Don't worry. I'm not saying be happy. I'm just saying don't worry. Don't worry about it. Some of you right now, you're in a situation where you're trying to like, okay, man, I, I got to make this happen. I got. Don't worry about it. If you're giving it to God. Because if you give it to God, everything that you put your hand to will be directed and ordered in those steps. If you've given it to God. Now, if you haven't given it to God, well, then, of course, I understand. You know, oh, how am I going to make this happen? What am I going to do? I have to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. But when God says, look, put your faith in me. Can I hear an amen? amen? The third thing is that a shield is also the first line of defense. Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. says, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you and onto the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. Somebody say afraid. It says, in the beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? See, the rest of our armor helps protect us from Satan's onslaught. It is not what we ideally want to be used to absorbing every hit. You do not, for instance, all the time want to go into a, to a battle intentionally blocking every blow with just your helmet. You don't always want to do that. See, when our faith in God's power and care is strong, it is impossible for Satan to break through our shield and land any attack onto our body. An actively raised shield prevents fatigue from coming in. See, when you are very active in the faith and when you're very strong in the faith, fatigue doesn't happen. Why? Because you're strong in the faith. I remember uh, a couple of uh, years ago, I was living in San Diego and uh, there was this one young man at the time, I, I believe it was uh, Oscar De La Hoya and, and Manny Pacquiao, they fought, right? They had a fight and, you know, it was really big fight going on, and at the time I was living in San Diego, and there was a young man, he was a Filipino, right, he was a F Filipino man, and he was a little bit bigger than me, and we want, he, he was the youth pastor, and he wanted to raise up finances for the youth, right, he's like, I got a great way, we're going to have a lock-in, and as we do this lock-in, I got a great way to bring people in, I was like, sure, what, what do you want to do, he goes, I'm going to get a boxing ring, and me and you, I'll be Pacquiao, and you be De La Hoya. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? He goes, yeah, yeah, it'll be great. Now, you know, he's, you know, kind of a mover guy kind of too. He's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. It'll be great. It'll be great. And, you know, he's a, but the, the ironic thing about it is at that time, he's not anymore, but at that time, he was twice my weight. He really was twice my weight. So when he originally told me that, I was like, what? You really want to fight? I don't Okay, like, this ain't cool, dude. Like, <laughs> and he goes, no, 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 no. I'm going to get the, the air boxing ring. And we're going to get the boxing ring, and we're just going to play around. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, to help you guys. All right, we can. All right, we'll do that. 
And so he told me this like two months in advance. So he got every, you know what's good? They're preparing for the lock-in. All right, it's going to be great. Two weeks before, we're having fun. All right, people are building it up, you know, in the church. Having a good Pacquiao versus De La Hoya. Filipino versus the Mexican. And I was telling people, I was like, look, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not Mexican. I don't even speak any Spanish. But you, I guess, man, whatever. It's cool, you know. I'm American, the, the golden boy. Whatever you want to do, let's have some fun. Two days before the lock-in, or actually the day before the lock-in, we have church. And we're having church on a, on a Friday night. And they're making announcements. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the announcements, the lights go out. And the eye of the tiger comes on. And dun, 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 dun. Um, and I'm sitting in the front row, right? I'm sitting in the front row. Like. And all of a sudden, like a big old, you know, contingency of men and all his, his whole corner, he comes in with the Filipino flag. And he runs from the back all the way to the front. And I'm sitting in the front row like, oh, man, where's my entourage? And they're making an announcement. And he comes in. I'm not kidding. With like 15 people. They come up on stage. And everyone looks at me like, dude, get up there. So I go up there with just me. <laughs> and just to, you know, have fun. And so I was like. He's got like 20 people rubbing his shoulders. Come on, guys. You're the champ. You're the champ. I'm like, wait, dude. Come on, man. I'm like, all right. Then the next day comes. We have the lock-in. It was a great lock-in. It was successful. It, it did its job. Promotion, right? Promote. Had a lot of people there. But he told me, you know, we're just going to have some fun and, you know, whatever. So they had a few, you know, uh, boxing matches before us. A couple of girls got in there. Ah, having fun. Was, have you guys ever seen those boxing rings in the air? You know, they're kind of fun, right? And they go in there. And so finally the main event comes, right? Here's the main event. Pacquiao versus De La Hoya. Yeah. And there was probably about a good, almost 200 people that were there, right? And I'm not kidding. The majority of them told me that night, we're just here to see the fight. That's all I want to see. I just want to see the fight. I don't even want the pizza. I don't want the soda. I just want to see the fight. I was like, thanks. All right. <laughs> so I was there. I was like, all right, let's, you know, let's do this. And we're just going to play around anyways. It's not a big deal. Well, we get in there, there's like 200 people all around, and I guess, I don't know, they were just messing with him, putting in his ear, dude, you're bigger than him. You better not lose. He told me, he, he tells me this after, that they were just messing with him, messing with him. So they start, I'm thinking we're just going to go around, I'm jumping, like, hey, you know, oh, oh, you got me, oh, oh. That's what I thought. We had a bell. They actually rang a bell. Ding! Went out there. He comes out and he jumps. I'm not, remember, he's twice my size. He jumps at me. Ah, boom, and he starts hitting me hard. And I was like, I, I literally didn't know what to do. So I got my, the glo you know, they're big gloves, right? Now, they're big gloves, but you could still feel it. Has anybody ever been in those before? Right? Don't you? You can still feel it. You can still, especially because right here, if they hit you right here, it's actually still the, the hand. It doesn't protect you right here. Only here. But right here, if he hits you right here, it's his hand because he's holding on to something. And so that's what he did. He hit me. Boom. I was like, whoa. And then he starts going, and he's wailing on me, literally. And 200 people, yeah. I'm like, no. What are you what? Whoa, whoa. Like, whoa. So he went, I'm talking, hitting me, hitting me. But in the, now, for those of you that know me as well, you know, I'm a sports guy. I'm an athlete. So believe me, I, I didn't just sit there going, oh, my God. When he was hitting me, I went, oh. What? Like this little indignation inside of me like oh no you didn't this is Sparta you know like this came out of me like what and he's hitting me for, I'm not kidding for like 30 seconds and I'm letting him hit me 
hit me. And all of a sudden, he was hitting me so much. The referee, you know, they had a referee. I mean, the whole thing. He splits us up, and he goes, all right, all right, all right. He goes, that's it, that's it. I go, and I'm like, no, that's not it. I go, hit me. Come on. I was like, I was like, I can't believe, because in my mind, I was like, we're just supposed to dance around and play around. And all of a sudden, he wants to hit me hard. I was like, oh, no. Come on. I'm really. And for those of you that know, you know, I, I like to play sports. And when it comes to losing, uh-uh, it ain't going to be happening. So I was like, come on. Come on. I was like, yes. And so everybody around was like, but you getting hit. Don't get hit. I was like, shut up. Come on. I mean, I was like, oh, come on. I go, come on. And the ref's like, dude, but he's, he's getting I go, no, he's not. He didn't hit me because he was hitting the gloves the whole time. I go, come on. So he goes, all right, go back. at it. So he let us go back at it, and he was hitting me again. Bow, bow, and I, come on. I'm like, come on, you better hit me harder than that. You better hit me harder. And then finally, I pushed him back. True story. It's on video. You could, uh, I, I need to find the video. And I pushed him. And I go, come on. And with one punch, Boom. Knocked him out. <laughs> right, Chell? Am I lying? Am I lying? One punch. Knocked him out so much, he didn't get out of the ring for five minutes. <laughs> now, what he did not know is that previously to that, I had been working out. For a month straight. Now, if you know anything about myself, I've played baseball for a number of years. And as an athlete, you have to be very consistent within your, uh, you know, uh, working out, your, 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 your program, whatever it might be. So I went in there ready to go. Now, I didn't think I was going to have to. I, I didn't think I had to use it. But I was ready. And an act of faith is always ready. So even though the enemy may try to come in here and say, look, I'm just going to play around. It's not a big deal. It's like, okay, that's fine. All right. But then all of a sudden you actually get in the ring and the enemy says, ha I lied to you because guess what? He is the father of lies. So he starts messing with you. He starts hitting you this way and he's hitting you that way. And you say, man, I didn't think this was supposed to happen. Not to my family. I go to church. I'm a good person. He says, I know you go to church, but I'm still going to hit you anyways. And I'm still going to hit you anyways. And all of a sudden because you've been working out, because you've been excellent exercising your faith and because faith needs action and you put it there together and you say okay devil go ahead you want to hit me go ahead and hit me hit me because you ain't hitting them because I got this shield of faith and all I need is just one blow just give me one opportunity and boom devil get out of my house see faith will do that Faith will do that even though the enemy tries to say, oh, it's not a big deal. It's okay. And all of a sudden the enemy tries to lie to you. Oh, oh it's okay. I'll just, so you know what? All right, fine. That's, that's okay. That's all right. I got this thing. It's called faith. And it's the key. It's a big key. You know what the Bible says? I've given you the keys to the kingdom. One of the keys, faith faith. And some of you here this morning, you got to start exercising the thing. Faith is not something where you just go, oh, okay, I'm going to let it happen. No, faith is tangible. It's evidence that you take it to the judge. God, he is our judge. And you take it to him and say, look, God, here, here's the faith. This is the faith. Did you know as you study the scriptures, when Jesus was always with the disciples, he was always acknowledging how great their faith or how much faith they lacked. Always. Even when Peter, the scripture that we just read, when he was out there and he walked on the boat and, or walked on the water, got out of the boat, all of a sudden he picks someone and says, you of little faith. When Jesus was going around performing miracles and all of a sudden he got to a city and he said, I'm not going to perform any miracles because I'm amazed at their lack of when he goes to the, when the centurion comes to him, and the centurion says, look, I need somebody who needs a healing. And all of a sudden he says, I have not seen any greater in all of Israel. In all of Israel. When there was four men that came and they had a, a friend of theirs that needed a healing. All of a sudden he gets lowered down in the house. And Jesus looks at the four men and says, he's healed because of your faith. Some of you here this morning, you got to start exercising that faith. The faith that you have, it's not just for you. But you're even protecting those behind the shield. 
behind that shield. Now, some of you right now, you got you to start moving that thing. You got to start working out. Start getting that thing. You got to start getting on your knees and bowing your knee right now to him because there's going to be an, a time in our uh, in the time that we live, there's going to be a time where all of a sudden the king is going to come and says, bow your knee. But because I've been exercising my faith, say, oh, you know what? This knee don't bow to you right now. I'm not going to listen to you right now because I've been exercising my faith. It guards. It protects. It's a line of defense. That's what the shield will do. And listen to me here this morning, church. We are at a very pivotal part within our country. It's very important that who we are, that we will stand by our faith. You got to stand by our faith. Stand by your faith. There's one thing that nobody can waver me from, and that is my faith. They could try to say this, well, what about this, and what about that? One thing they will never waver me from is my faith. That's for sure, without a doubt. It's, I mean, just hearing so many biblical prophecies that are coming to pass even now kind of scares your faith. It really does. And I want to challenge you, for those of you, you got to start knowing your faith. What do you really believe? Is Jesus really the only way? Is he the way, the truth, and the life? Can no one come to the Father except through it? Isn't there other ways to God? That's what people are saying. People say, there's other ways to God. There's many ways. Just you have to be a good person. You, you do know that Muhammad and Jesus, you do understand who they were together, right? They understand. You do know that the, the angel came and told the, uh, this man about Jesus. That's how Jesus, you do understand that the creation, you do understand, right? If you don't know your faith, it's like, yeah, I guess so. Sounds about right. You need to know your faith. You and I are saved by the faith. This is where it comes from. The faith is tangible. It's evidence. Here this morning, I want to challenge you. Get the tangible evidence, the substance. There's substance to it, to your faith. When the enemy tries to come in and he tries to say all this, no, 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 no. It's not coming in here. It's not going to happen. Shield of faith from top to bottom. You know the great thing about faith? Even as you study scriptures, as it comes to the piano, what happens, and many times, even with the shield of faith, one person has a shield, and then another person has a shield, and then another person has a shield, and then another person has a shield, and all of a sudden, you look down to the left, and you look down to the right, and there's a wall of faith. There's a wall of men and women that say, no, you ain't coming in this house. You ain't coming in my house. Not in the, it's not going to be taking place not in this house. Listen, for those of you that you're having the mustard seed right now, and that's how it starts, I want to challenge you. Get around somebody who's got that big shield. Get around somebody who's, man, I want to I want a shield like that. Get around them. Because I guarantee you, faith, it grows too. That's why it's called a seed. And any, everything that God created grows. Everything. It grows. And the faith, some of you here this morning, it's going to start growing. It's going to start growing. Start growing. Say, well, man, I, I want to have faith like that. I know the pastor gets up there and he yells and he screams. And I want to, listen, faith is not in yelling. It's not in screaming. It's not in being quiet. It's not, it's, that, that's not faith. That's just my personality. Faith is when the enemy tries to come against it and says, no, no, no. I'm going to give you some substance right now. You will not come against this house. I'm going to give you some evidence right now. You will not come against these values. Our values here in America are being hit like never before, like never before. And I want to challenge you, Victory Outreach, listen to me, church. I want to challenge you. This is how I want to end. Do you remember four years ago when we had an election? And we were having this election. A big part of the election was faith. That was a big part. Do you guys remember when even the big question was, what faith is Obama? You remember that? What's his faith? What does he believe? Is he a Muslim? 
Is he a Christian? That was like a big part of the campaign. Do you guys remember that? That was actually a really big part. It was so big that the candidates, when they would travel, they would actually travel and go to cities and go to churches. It was huge. I mean, it was a very big part of the campaign. They would go to the churches. In this campaign, I haven't seen them really go to any churches. Really? I mean, because four years ago, he was at some really, really big churches. Both of the candidates. I believe it was Kerry at the time, right? Or who was it? McCain. McCain at the time. And they were going to churches. Oh, man, the values of America. The United States was founded on the Constitution. And the Constitution was founded on the value system of Christianity. I mean, these are the things that were coming out of the mouths of, the, of these candidates. Now, it's all about the economy, taxes, money. Money's like the number one thing. It's number one. When four years ago, when you study it, faith was the number two subject coming out. You know what faith is now? It's not even in the top ten. Not even in the top ten. Because people don't care anymore. I want to know about money. I want to know about where I stand. I want to know about, am I going to have a house? I want to know, right? That's our economy. That's our thinking. See that? And we think, man, uh, I'm a, uh, what about my family? What about this? When, when in all reality, we were founded on faith. We were always founded on faith in God. But somehow, some way, we've gotten away from that. Both the candidates. And I'm just like, all right, it's, it's cool. It's not going to change my beliefs. But I am asking you the question, what do you believe? What are your beliefs? And I want to challenge you that we need to have men and women that are going to be lined up with shields that are right here. Shields of faith lined up from left to right that says, look, you could try to throw whatever dart you want, any fiery dart you want, that's fine. But I'm very active in this faith. I'm very active in my belief. And nobody can can waver this faith. Because know this, after you vote, you're still going to have to be a Christian. After you vote. Voting comes and then voting goes. All right, it's done. And then whoever the president, that's the president, whether you like it or not. Well, I don't like Romney. I don't like Obama. That's okay. Really, that's not where our faith lies. Our faith does not lie in the president of the United States. My faith relies in the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. You know what king of kings means? That whatever kingdom that you have, we call them presidents. Other countries even have kings. They still have kings. We call them kings, ministers, prime ministers, whatever you want to call them. The Bible says that he is the king of kings, that he is the Lord of lords, that our faith should be in him, and it should be strong in him, that the worry that you doubt, that the things that we see from the team, oh man, oh, what about this, what about, the Bible says, do not worry about what you are going to wear, don't worry about that. Don't worry about what you're going to drive. Don't worry about, look, if your faith is in Christ, then it's unwavering. And he's going to direct your paths. Stand with me here this morning. See, when an army joins its shields together, it's an unstoppable force. I believe that we as Christians, to join our shields together, This is where we strengthen each other even with our faith. Building up and serving within the body as we are able to. An unstoppable force. Able to take on any challenge. It's time for us, you and I, to bring our faith together. Bringing it together. Holding on. Holding steadfast. Taking it up. This is something where you have to be very active. Now, I didn't go in too much about what faith really is because I really wanted to do what faith really does, how it guards and protects us. It's a line of defense. 
even a point that I wasn't able to go over is that faith also incapacitates. In other words, it weakens. That little boss that I talked about in the middle of that shield, that little thing, boom, it gets the enemy, puts him back. Whoa, where did that come from? Remember when the enemy came to Jesus? He said, just all you got to do is bow down to me. Just worship me, and I'm going to give you all this. He says, no, 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 listen. I'm not going to worship you. I don't bow my knee to you. I worship one person. Man will not live on bread alone. Man, I'm not going to do all that. Boom. Some of you hear that? You got to start getting the promises of God back in your spirit once again. Just get those promises. As for me and my house, boom. Just small ones. Just get those ones. It's not a whole lot. It's not a whole lot. It's okay. If some of you are starting with that mustard seed, just start with the mustard seed. Mustard seed. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the, boom. That's it. Just take that shield of it. Just take the small ones. Man, for God so loved the world. Man, you love, you love me. God loves, boom. Just take it. Weaken the enemy. Get him away from you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And we've been talking about the, the armor of God, putting it on, the shield of faith. And some of you here this morning, you've been getting these fiery darts been coming at you. Worry, doubt, fear, different things. I don't know what it might be. The enemy tries to look at each one of our lives and he tries to throw each and every one precisely and directly and intentionally at you to weaken you, to destroy you, to steal, to kill. But for those of you here this morning, say, you know what, I know I've been getting hit, but that's okay. It's time for me to get active in the faith once again. To get active in the faith once again. I know that my God, he has called me. I know that my God, he's separated. I'm in this fight, and I'm in it for the long haul. Some of you, the enemy, he's been coming at you, and he's been shooting things at your feet, and he's been messing with you and saying, you know what? My feet, they've been getting hit, so I'm going to stop. And God says, no, I need you to put up that shield of faith. Put up that shield of faith once again. Go forward. Move forward. Some of you here this morning, you've been thinking about shrinking back. Listen, right now is not the time to shrink back in the faith. Right now is not the time to shrink back, but it's to take up that shield. Hold on to that shield and say, God, you called me and I need to get next to somebody. Some of you here this morning, maybe you get, need to get next to someone in the faith. You need to get next to them right there and say, listen, we're going to take up our shield together. We're going to hold on to this shield together and we're going to advance the kingdom of God together. I'm not going to do this on my own, but I believe it. I believe that God's got some greatness for my family. The promises of my family are going to be yes and amen. They're going to be yes and amen once again. Listen, if that's you and you say, you know what? I want to be unwavering in this faith, unwavering in my belief. I do not want to act upon my flesh. I do not want to act upon...